Welcome back, everybody, to the Uncensored CMO. Now, one of the most downloaded episodes of all time was Les Burnett and Sarah Carter, How Not to Plan. So I thought, wouldn't it be great to get them back on the show to talk about the highs and the lows of 2023? Who did the best work and what can we learn? As always, Sarah and Les are brilliant value. There is so much in this episode. You're going to love it. Here it is. Les doesn't do podcasts, but if he did a podcast, it'd be the Uncensored CMO. And if he did a second podcast, it would also be the Uncensored CMO. <laughs> Les and Sarah, welcome to the Uncensored CMO. Good to Thank see you. you both. And you got it right this time, because last time you signed off by thanking Letting Les and Sarah. Do you know? You know when you're thinking, I mustn't say, yeah. Peter and Les, I mustn't say, and then you say, I'm sorry. Well, on, on a happier note, I, I thought I'd find out what, you know, what's caught your eye or maybe what's made you cry. I don't know. I mean, I mean, Les, maybe start with you. What's, what's yeah, made well, you cry I, this Christmas? I, I do uh, blub quite easily, uh, sort of, you know emotional advertising, Hollywood films, that kind of thing. I'm a, I'm a bit of a soft touch. So uh, when we were sort of preparing for this, I was looking at some ads and uh, the the thing that got me more than anything else was uh, the Cadbury's Corner Shop one. That one just had me in bits. But also uh, I, I, was, I was talking to my wife about the Amazon sledge ad and she'd not seen it, so I explained it to her and I got all choked up just trying to tell her the story it's funny is it a dad factor because ritson was on here ta- yeah also yes. the cabriad yes. and, and i choked up at the bit where dads and daughters yeah yeah i think it's yeah. never it's that, not usually dads and sons it's always the dads it well, that get it so um another another thing that hit me actually the other night was we made an ad for savills the estate agents which i hadn't seen until monday night um so we were out f- for dinner uh with um journalists from campaign and uh they showed some ads and that, that one came on i don't know if you've seen the ad but um it, it's like got the the family with the little kids and then as they grow up they're measuring the uh the height on the wall and the all the marks yes on the wall. now you say so yes. it's a daughter yeah. it's a daughter yeah. one again mm. there's a there's a sulky teenage daughter she's a sulky teenager by the end and then at the end of it, to be quite careful as I, at this point because I might blub, uh, they're, but they're moving out of the house and then the new couple moves in and they paint over that bit oh. of the wall. And it's just, so literally, as I'm saying that, I'm getting goose pimples going up and down my legs. And my daughter's 16, you know, it won't be long till she, till she leaves the house and everything. It just, it was a, yeah. Mm. That's so true. But you mentioned Campaign Magazine, but they made the Amazon ad Turkey of the Week. Yes. Why? I mean, maybe this is a good question for Sarah, because one of my favourite Sarah quotes of all time is, you are not the customer. customer. Why do we as an industry sometimes sort of like to poke at things that are obviously very popular? Well, I don't think we always poke at popular things. I would say there is there is an overlap between things that the public like and things that the industry likes. So um, we'll probably come on and talk about McDonald's eyebrows. I think everybody loves that, don't they? Morrison's. Everybody loves that. Marmite, everybody loves that. So I think there is an overlap, but I think, you know, you're right. Things can pull in slightly different directions. And um, I think there are a number of reasons for that. One might be slightly distorting effect effect of creative awards, which have been well documented, tended to lean towards awarding certain sorts of work. But then I think, oh, yeah, we talked about this um, the other day, didn't we? That work that um, Tenzer and Murray did looking at the values of the industry or people in the industry and the values of you know, the great British public, and they are quite different. The public like mm. conformity and tradition and 
community and security. And yet, you know, people who work in the industry, brains are wired quite differently. And we tend to like uh, individuality, risk-taking <clears throat> change. So, you know, there is a there is a pulling in different directions of that. So I think there's there's a bit of that going on. But if you can pull those things together and celebrate continuity, I'm talking Marmite here, cracking campaign, be going on for 20 years or whatever, but you do that in fresh, interesting, fun, um, provocative ways, then I think, you know, those things can come together. So, so, so Les, I think I think you've burst your hard man of data reputation by by revealing your blubbing. <laughs> Don't think I have one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But but Sarah, maybe ask you what what struck you this Christmas? What what made you what made you smile about the ads this year? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I one of my kind of missions, I think, is to try and get more kind of joy and silliness and fun and humour back into the industry. I think one of the side effects of the great work that you and Peter, I'm going to mention his name, uh, <laughs> did on the power of emotion is uh, people, I think, got slightly the wrong end of that and thought that meant sort of emotion with a, yeah. a capital E and everything had to be kind of meaningful and deep and emotional and sad. Um, but I don't think that's true at all. And I think uh, a lot of the time, a lot of what we're seeing this Christmas is that I think people are slightly fed up with brands and comms turning up playing violins. And I think <laughs> people want brands to turn up playing the banjo a bit more so i like banjo ad so um i think be more banjo is not a bad motto for the year for all of us so i i love the morrison's oven gloves i love uh, mcdonald's eyebrows i mean one of my favorite christmas ads of all time i don't know if you even remember from some time ago was that muppets giant crumpet ad Do yes. you remember that yes. i absolutely love that yeah pure silliness knockabout putting on a show but um banjo to the to the core, and I and, I, and that's the sort of stuff I'm loving. You've at obviously the moment. got exceptional judgment because that was a five point nine. It's one one of the first. Was it one of the um, first top scoring so ads on our database? As is Morrison's. That is so interesting. And I, what I love, well, actually, the the the, the Muppet, Muppets one is big budget blockbuster, yeah. but the Morrison's they achieved the similar result on a fairly modest budget, which yeah. shows that if you know you don't have to spend yeah. big yeah. to get there. But and and then McDonald's is great as well. And what I loved about McDonald's is they carried a campaign idea yeah. from outside of Christmas yeah. into Christmas. Yeah. Because Doesn't why, why do advertisers much, tend to sort of go, yeah, we'll do yeah, one I... thing all year and then Christmas will suddenly change it all. You yeah. know, but I thought there's something about continuity that's yeah. helpful. No, you're right. It? You're right. I mean, it's so clever, those oven gloves, because as we were talking earlier, it's just such a clever way of showcasing food in a sort of seamless, intuitive way. But I think often the best creativity makes familiar things feel unfamiliar and i think that does that brilliantly doesn't it i mean we've all got a pair of oven gloves but we never really think about them and and yet suddenly they're the sort of hero of that amazing kind of feel-good film so really clever stuff i think i love that so. well I, th I thought i'd reveal that the, the based on the system on data of course which is the audience response how the audience feel about what they're watching these are the top three ads. Uh, we've already talked about one of them, actually. So Amazon comes in at number three, uh, despite its campaign, uh, Turkey. Number two is interesting. Uh, so Coca-Cola holidays are coming, have literally put the same ad on for 25 years. That that sort of defies convention, doesn't it? Like sticking to the same thing for that long. Yeah. I mean, we wrote about this in the book, I think. Yeah, we did. We did. The, the ads mostly don't wear out. If they do wear out, it takes them a lot longer to wear out than anyone gives them a chance to do. And that the ads that do wear out, there, there are a few ads that wear, wear out, but they, they tend to be ads that are, have kind of got a, a natural shelf life. Like a, there's a, a, a message like, you know, new product. You know, clearly that's, you know, 
it only has a limited shelf life because the product's only new for a while or, you know, sale this weekend or, you know, temporary price offer, all those sorts of things. But good brand ads don't really wear out very very much at all that's very um, true, true i think i think you were way ahead of you way ahead of the uh, game on this one by the way because we this year we did a study on a major brand i won't say who it is major brands might advertise at christmas um anyway the but we looked at 50 of their ads we retested them at th- this year compared them to the last five years and we cut the data all sorts of ways so we cut the data by how long did it run for how much money got spent you know uh how recent was it since we did the retest we could not find anywhere out except for i think two or three and they were time specific they're event related you know so um olympics or something like that right um but the interesting thing is in all the others the score went up yeah. not down yeah. actually so you know since since first air because we, we test on the first air date so actually as people start to see it in the campaign bills actually the score goes which up. makes total sense doesn't it i mean we talk about popularity a lot and i think what people often get the wrong way around is that consistency leads to popularity not necessarily the other way around and you see that in you know sitcoms or tv programs often the most popular ones actually weren't that popular when you start but it's the repetition that 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 builds that so and most of the time we don't get a chance to research this sort of stuff because it's not on enough to do that is it (laughs) i mean the book we talk about this funny little nor soup campaign which i think when i first started in advertising that was the first thing i worked on so it was nor stock cubes in scotland um, because they made a lo- make a load of soup in Scotland f- from scratch, um, so there's a very specific role for North stock cubes up there to use instead of real stock stock cubes. But because it was such a small area, they didn't have enough money to make new ads, so they literally ran the same ad. And I think we worked out the average. And I say housewife, I use that word advisedly, um, uh, because it was housewives who make soup. Uh, had seen that eighty times, ninety times, something like that. It, it, and it's, they still loved it. And it wasn't yeah. just that they still loved it attitudinally in research. It still worked in terms of sales modeling as well, which quite often wear outs measured sort of attitudinally, isn't it? And not actually on on sales. So, yeah. And that was a funny little sort of weird example of something that doesn't normally happen, but just showed how things build. In the book, I think we wrote about Alan Wicker and Rowan Atkinson yeah, on Barclay yep, Card. Yep. And a very similar thing there was... Um, so I think it was by accident, wasn't it, that that some ads, Rowan Atkinson ads, were included in the clutter reel on other forms of testing, so that the ads got tested. Oh, that was the me. same ads got G-Lux. tested. Mm. Yeah, oh, was it Dulux? Mm. Okay, mm. The, the ads got tested uh, a number of times over the years, and that what you actually saw there was wear in, wasn't mm. yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but there is another thing, which is I think there's wear out over time, probably. Harder to test is wear out on repeated exposure, and I don't know whether you do that mm. at all. That's in no, um, no. So we, we, the way we way we approached it was to retest the creative uh, as a pretest again, yes. effectively. So if you were launching it today, yeah. how would people react? Do they recognise yeah. the brand? How yeah. do they feel? All that kind of thing. So yeah. I think because it, I think if you were to test, say, you know, we'll we'll show people this ad this week, and then we'll get the same panel back a week later and we'll show them again and keep doing that you might find you get different results and i'm, I'm just guessing here yeah. but but and, and in particular i think you might get different results depending on the style of the creative so for example imagine if you imagine an ad where there's a a, a twist at the end you know a, a, a punchline or a funny little emotional reveal or whatever I think that that would have less impact mm. on repeated yeah. exposures. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
And so it's quite interesting. If you think about the Coke, the holidays are coming ad, that's precisely the kind of creative that would you'd expect to have the same effect on repeated yes. exposure mm. because nothing much happens mm. in the ad. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's no, you know, mm. story and punchline and twist and uh, or just, message. And there's something particularly appropriate about Christmas, isn't it? Yeah. And that yes. because we all look out for the first signs of Christmas and yeah. you, at Christmas more than any time you want well, the same I, things happening every year to show you that don't yeah. you so yeah. I can help on this one because mm. because we test it we, we ask people the reasons for emotion as well so it's mm. not just does it make you happy why does it make you happy yeah. and what we get in the answers that one is oh coke trucks tells me it's Christmas yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. it is a signal it's a cultural signal of, yeah. of the season it's yeah. like, all the associated feeling that yeah. Christmas has yeah. it's, 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 it's so you want there. that to be the same yeah. don't you absolutely exactly. you don't want yeah. it to change if you lose that if you lose it it's it's literally, it's like, you know, the Christmas lights turning on yes. in yeah. Regent Street right. or yeah. putting the tree up or putting, yeah. putting today, today's, we're filming, I don't know if I should say this, on Advent. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. the Advent calendar opening and all that stuff. Mm. It, kids particularly, they don't want each Christmas to be unique. They want it to be yes. like the Christmases that we've always had, mm. don't they? Do you know what we found as well, which, it, which I, it was really interesting is it, COVID. So when COVID happened, everyone felt like they had to make a different <laughs> ad yeah. or, or reflect the circumstances we're in. Yeah. Wrong strategy. Yes, mm. yeah. What they wanted was the familiar things back. Yes. And what we found is anyone that did the nostalgic repeating things, that year, mm. the scores went right yeah, up. Anyone that reflected yeah. in these times, yeah. Yeah. the scores went yeah. down. And people Very were watching TV shows, weren't they, that they hadn't seen for yeah. a while. There's yeah. a lot of nostalgia going on. But going yeah. back to my banjo point as well, I mean, I think the... To me, the only ads that stood out in that time that I remember even now was sort of KFC, which did brilliant stuff, and and Just Eat. So, I mean, the, and and everything else was violins, weren't they? But they rocked up playing a banjo, and and I think the only things that stood out weren't yeah. they. So we do overestimate how much we need to play those violins. I think. Yeah. Um, well, um, I know you like crying at them, but honey, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm always like a good sob. But um, when. Peter and I first started talking about emotions versus messages uh, in ads. We made a concerted effort, actually, to, 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 after a while, to move the conversation away from emotions versus messages to system one versus system two. I think we may have influenced a certain company in that respect. Uh, I think you did, <laughs> yes. You did indeed. <laughs> um, um, because when you say emotion... It has those connotations, mm. you know, say playing a and violin. John Lewis has yeah, got a lot yeah, to, uh, to answer for, for as well. well. Yeah, and, then COVID, um, yeah. and uh, and the problem with that, I think, was that you then have to explain what you mean by system one and system two because it's not even now. It's not yeah. got the currency as when when I've when I've got time in a, in a presentation, I'll talk about emotions, feelings, and associations because if you say feelings. Mm. That's a little bit different mm. from emotions. Mm. Um, and associations is another level as well. Yeah. Um, and that does give you more leeway mm. to talk about, you know, humour and yeah. fun and yes. yeah. all that sort of stuff. And, and also craft, you know. Totally. Um, well, I think we ignore yes. that. Just, just yes. sheer 
technical excellence and beauty in ads. Oh, yeah. um, totally. I mean, I mean, this is one of the things that I'm very grateful for Orlando's work because he's yes. put the spotlight yes. on very dis- specific features. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Even in his latest book, he talks about the tone, the color. He, he saw a one star difference between a, a cold tone grading and, mm. and a warm tone. Yeah. You know, yeah. If you sat in the edit suite looking, yeah. you know, you wouldn't think you could shift a star just no. by yeah. just getting yeah. a warm tone and people over People wouldn't be aware that tone. that yeah. was influencing yeah. them in that way. But actually, uh, talking but of Orlando, does, actually, one, one interesting thing with aware in versus wear out study we divided it as well about you know he kind of categorizes things as right hemisphere characteristics mm. versus left yeah and in there we noticed that the the, the left which is more activation sort of mm. product messaging flat abstracted they just stayed flat mm. Whereas actually the right brain, which is more storytelling, characters, mm. it's set in a place that's familiar, mm. something happens, all yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's where we saw the wear in. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's a, yeah. Bit, a bit like a bit like rewatching a friend's sitcom, isn't yes. it? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. I, it is. You know, yeah. I remember that scene. It's or that, when you read stories to little children. I mean, they never oh, say we're getting again. fed up with seeing they, mm. they yeah. want it again yes. and again, yeah. don't they? Yeah. I think I read somewhere the average <clears> Disney <throat> film is is watched sort of fifty times or something by kids, and you think that few times. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I was yeah. sick watching them again and again. Yeah. Tell you, um, tubbies, again, again. Like yes, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Um, I was you, thinking when you're talking about different emotions because I, I think I saw one of your spirally charts looking at different sorts of happiness, and I I love that Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude was up there one. at what number one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I said to you, is that the same in different countries? Is there just something yeah. wonderful? I know it's although it's a German word. Is there something really British that we like getting pleasure <laughs> in things sadly, going wrong? I think but... pride was at the bottom. So, yeah. like you know, pride in other people's success is the yeah. bottom. But isn't that interesting as, as well? Top, you know, that's anyway. a, it's just such a kind of human emotion, isn't it? And humor, obviously. That's ah, well, why humor's number so, two. Yeah. Humor's number two. So actually, that well, th- this is. A, but things going wrong but not, is, is inherently humorous as well, isn't it? It's people mm. slipping on bananas. Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, I think it has yeah, to be it probably, funny. Probably, probably I don't think we'd ever really <laughs> meanly want to see people suffering. But, oh, um, you tripped over your shoelaces. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting, I thought. Have we uh, have we rediscovered humour this year? Do you think? I mean, there's, if we take the top 10 based on System 1 scores, mm. about half of them have got Humour, you know, mm. Audi, a few sort of pantomime jokes in there. I've heard people saying this, but I didn't seem to think there was that much to laugh at, really. I, 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 or maybe it's a sign of the times that people are saying, oh, there's a rediscovery of humour simply because the ads are not entirely po-faced, you know. I mean, there's nothing in there that actually made me laugh out loud. You know, a wry smile. I'm not, that's, yeah, and I'm not was, saying was, that's what you have to say. But, but if yes, you think about, yeah. you know, the 1970s, yeah. you know... Um, I'm old enough to remember them. You know, it's I like think comedy. Then there was there were yeah. ads True. there yeah. that would yeah. actually make you laugh yeah. out loud. And 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 um, I mean, think about like uh, Hamlet cigar or something. Yeah, would be good or, one, and actually more recently, so Specsavers. You know, yeah. like what mm. one of my favourites is the sheep shearing one. Mm. Yes, you know, and that is a laugh out loud ad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think I haven't seen anything for years. I don't think that. that in, that I can You're think right, of. Actually, but so maybe comedy would be a better definition. Yeah, much, that, that's what comedy the, of the but, tango ad. Yeah, or, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, there's, yeah. you know, yeah, a wry smile. Mm. Yes. Uh, yeah. Or, or a, a likability or a bit of warmth or whatever. But, Joy and silliness. There's definitely more <clears> of that sort of stuff, isn't yeah. there? Maybe not, as you say, laugh out loud humour. But, um, but interesting, there's the new can category for humour, which is kind of, Symbolic of people feeling that needs to be canned laughter, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You see, thank um, 
Advertising has got very po-faced. Mm. I mean, the whole industry has become worthy and serious. And it's and it's in line with the times, isn't it? You know, sort of, I mean, whole areas of humour are off limits, I know personally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, everything has to be kind of scrutinised in such a way and has to be purposeful and, you know, saving the planet and everything. And so actually... So, well, well, let me ask you, what, what's, what's the role of purpose in advertising? Is it, is it effective? Because everyone, this debate seems to rage well, on and no, well, the, there's, there's very clear evidence, you know, isn't there? Yeah. So um, people have not made it explicit enough, but the evidence from the data, the IPA data bank, is that purpose-driven advertising is about 30% less effective overall. Um, so that's quite clear. And also increasingly... The stuff that was used, like, is it Stengler uh, with, with his book Grow? Um, Richard Shotton yeah. yes. did a, did a fantastic sort of takedown of that stuff mm. in his book mm. and basically just showed the, the research was bogus. Mm. So, you know, there is no real evidence that purpose-driven organisations are more profitable. That doesn't mean that, you know, you shouldn't do purpose-driven stuff, but there's no... It's not a it, it's it's not yeah. a, 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 a a business strategy that has anything very well, much it's, to say. It's, for it's it. probably the classic, isn't it? That every company asks the questions. You know, would would you feel better about our products if if you knew yeah. that it saved yeah. the planet? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, well, of course you would. Who are the ten percent that say no? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, and, that's more the story and, and, rather than ninety percent that say and yes. And similarly, you know, purpose-driven marketing on average is is less effective. Mm. Than, than ordinary marketing. Mm. And that's, and, you know, if you look at Peter Field's analysis of that, you see why that is, is that good, you can do good purpose-driven advertising, but in order to do it, you've got to do all of the things that make marketing effective normally. You know, you've got to have great creative work. It's got to reach the right people. It's got to have scale, reach, uh, blah, 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 blah. And you've got to have a purpose in the ad that is, closely linked and relevant to the category and the brand mm. and it's got to be totally plausible and, and you've mm. got to kind of it's got to be in the the grain of the company and so and all that means that's so, incredibly difficult yeah you've yeah. Yeah. having tried that's it it's yeah. really hard bar. to line you, all that stuff yeah, up. so you, it's really hard to do well and it's really easy to do badly and yeah. i think that's what you, so you, found, so what, you, what you end up, you end up adding two more hoops to jump through. Yeah. So the first, the first hoop is you've got to find a purpose that is a genuine one. And with a lot of purpose-driven marketing, what you end up with is you end up with brands who bolt a purpose on and, and it has nothing to do with the category, nothing to do with the company. And then you've got to do that in a way that sort of, you know, it, it's, it's got to be true and then it's got to be in some way relevant to the consumer decision. And, you know, God help you to, you know, to get through those two additional ho hoops. No, you have, um, and I've seen data, I'm sure you have as well, on, as you say, it's based on flawed research a lot of times. If you ask people how important, how, is it going to influence your purchasing? And that's the stuff that people tend to quote. <clears throat> you get really high numbers and why wouldn't you? But yeah. the correct thing to ask is, ask a, num a number of other questions as well about price, yeah. you know, mm. product availability well, flavor and, and then you see it goes right down to about number 10 or yeah, 11 yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, actually exactly. anywhere and, near leading and people don't sort of know why they buy things they don't have any yeah, real insight yeah, into yeah. their own 
motives and decisions yeah. and, they're, and they're not, on, not honest. Emotional. Exactly. Yeah, you know. So I think you'll see a lot, I mean, it's happening already, isn't it? A great purpose correction. I think you'll see that word used a lot less. The great purpose the correction. Yeah, I like that. There's, I there's the headline. Peak purpose. It'll be, Peak yeah, purpose. used a lot less, used much more specifically, I think. Yeah. I think yeah. businesses will still do good <clears> at the <throat> business level, but I think brands will kind of free themselves up from those shackles a lot more and it will become a strategy rather than the strategy, I which mean, is yeah. what it always should have been. Actually, I mean, I'd even slightly contradict you there, which is that what we're seeing is that businesses are downgrading it themselves. So there was quite a nice little article in The Economist recently where they'd done textual analysis of earnings calls for companies. So what they'd done was, you know, they got recordings of the earnings calls mm. and all those conversations that they have with investors. And they looked at the incidence of words like purpose, ESG, sustainability, et cetera, et cetera, versus things like mm. profit, profit or shareholder value. Mm. Purpose down, mm. profit up. Mm. But, and, and that, there's a very obvious reason for that. It's interest rates. Mm. Um, purpose is easy to, to justify in a world where interest rates are zero and money's free. Uh, in a world where interest rates are now back up to, you know, more like historic levels, you're playing with other people's money and you're paying a price for it and your, your shareholders demand profits and they want them now. Mm. All that stuff goes to the bottom. And at the same time, ordinary people who might have gone, oh, we can, we can afford to spend 5p mm. more and buy a, a worthy brand are going, yeah, no, I just want the cheap stuff. Totally. Mm. The interesting nuance in the data, actually. So um, when uh, Peter shared the data, we did a bit of research as well, System 1, <clears> about the how purpose impacts on uh, emotional response. The interesting difference was it worked much more in B2B. So in, and it also made uh, employees feel good yes. well, that's about yes. their company. So, yes. interestingly, so, that, so there is a caveat, I think, to yeah. this, which is mm. in a, if you're a B2B business mm. or you're trying to build employer brand, yeah. Yeah. It, does, it is quite a potent yeah. Yes. Uh, and for other stakeholders <coughs> yeah. as well, I think Peter showed that yeah. that was mm. that was a very clear purpose benefit. But yeah. as you say, it's 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 a bit different when you get to the which stuff that it was mm. meant to be go, doing. Okay, that, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not saying companies should not, you know, pursue uh, other goals than shareholder value. Personally, I would prefer to work for an organisation that had a, 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 a purpose that was higher than making money. Mm. I kind of feel we do, you know, mm. a great agency mm. like ours mm. um, at its best, you know, cares most about making great ads and then money yep. comes off the back of that. And that's a purpose. Purpose doesn't have to be saving the planet. Well, that is a good point, um, isn't it? Yeah, P yeah. purpose doesn't, yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, you know, if you're working for an ice cream company, I'd, I'd yeah. want to work for the company that said, we're going to make the best ice cream in the world. Yeah. You know, even if it means that we don't make as much money. It's m most, has most traction internally. You want, you want your job to have meaning. People want meaning. But that doesn't mean you have to put it in your ads. Mm. Um, so I think I'm right in saying, this may no, no longer be true, but I think it certainly used to be true that Kellogg's, I think it's Kellogg's, or one of the other big American companies, which is quite paternalistic and does work in the community and good works, um, I think they had a, a kind of rule that you're not allowed to talk about it. Oh right, you know. So oh, they, you know, and if you if you if you think about it, that's more in line with the kind of nineteenth century, yeah. you know, 
Christian like tithe, type. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like yeah, yeah you, 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 you do good works, but you yeah. don't boast but about giving, you don't giving to charity. Something about it, you have to yeah. do something else. And the modern, you yeah. know, purpose-driven marketing process says, okay, right, well, we need something to talk about in the ads, but, you know, <laughs> just we don't have to actually do this stuff. <laughs> we just have to put it in the ads. It's quite right. It's, it's the opposite. opposite. It's, it's, it's the, the other way. isn't it? Yeah. I want to be seen yeah. as virtuous so, rather so, than actually yeah. virtuous. So, yeah. so as Peter pointed out in his research, you know, you have to walk the walk before you can even think about talking yeah. the talk. And and talking the talk is not necessarily a thing you have to do. So another example of that is, I mean, John Lewis yeah. is a purpose-driven organisation in the sense that it's mm. a profit-sharing, you know, mutually owned company. It's effectively, you, know, you can think of it as being effectively a, a communist organisation uh, with a charter that goes back to the 20s, you know, about all this, their sort of social goals. And they've hardly ever talked about it. But what mm. I thought you were going to say was one of the things that hasn't been talked about in all the talk about the John Lewis Christmas ad, which is the shift in strategy from, you know, their social children in care initiative being front mm. and centre of the ad last Christmas to now we're back to character-led storytelling mm. and selling plush toys in, in the shops again. They're still doing the social care, um, children in <laughs> care uh, initiative i noticed lots of talk about it in waitrose or whatever but mm. it's not front and center of, yeah. of the ads yeah. and you don't brand. have and I to think put it in your ads that's the kind of purpose correction i think which is which is happening yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and and i mean i could talk about this for quite a long time because i get quite engaged actually if you take morality and politics and ethics seriously and i prefer to use terms like that than purpose mm. you know then Doing those things, doing good because you think you'll make more money, is inherently contradictory. Totally. You know, you're just going, oh, yeah, oh, I think I'm going to be a good person because I'll be richer that way. You know, it's, you, if you really are a purpose-driven organisation, you will do it in spite of the fact that you will, it will lose you and money. And it costs exactly, and it mm. costs you. As yeah. Birnbach said, a principle yeah. isn't a principle until it costs you money. Mm. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I get no. I couldn't. I, 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 I get couldn't quite engaged. Well, well, talking about doing the right thing as well. What was lovely? One of the lovely things about uh, Amazon ad this year was representation of older people in that. Mm. Yes, mm. I, I love that. Mm. That was that just might be magical. why we quite like it. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. It was cross generational, wasn't it? Yeah. But going things. back to Sarah's, you know, you are not the target audience. I think, and it's interesting. I wonder whether some people who were sniffy about it were sniffy about it because. You know, they want to work work in an industry that's young and young, hip. Cool. Whereas yeah. ordinary people are quite mm. capable of seeing someone who's not like themselves, older, younger, whatever, and still. It do you know it it, it, it it brilliantly did it did one of the things we learned in our feeling scene report looking at diversity and representation advertising, which is better to tell one person's story really well yeah. than to try and represent a group. Well, you or have lots to tell. You have to have specificity yeah. to yes. tell a story. You can't yes, tell a exactly. story with multiple things. So I think yeah, what what people mm-hmm. get muddled up is sort of reflecting and connecting, isn't it? You mm. you have to reflect very specifically. Uh, and ideally, I think we'd say with people who are not usually represented in ads, that's great. And But then you can and must connect emotionally widely from that. Yeah. And that's what that does brilliantly, doesn't it? We yeah. show el- elderly women, women of a certain age, which is a very specific kind of reflection. But, but we can all 
connect emotionally yes, with the idea yeah. of lifelong friendship, yeah. Yeah. especially amongst women. You don't often see stories of women's yeah. friendship, which are an incredibly strong emotional bonds. Mm, and, yeah. and and then that lovely twist of the kind of reminiscing of mm, what yeah. you did, you know, witness mm. all these women going on kind of yeah. reunion weekends and think, you know, we, yeah. we love that. Yeah. So incredibly widely connecting, but you reflect very specifically. And um, people get those muddled up, I think. Yeah. Um, so. So yes, really good lesson on uh, that. And we, I, 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 we may have talked about this last time. Vignette ads. Mm. Yes. You know. So, um, there's advertisers who want to represent a, uh, you know, to reach out to 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 a wide audience, often feel that they need to show mm. all the different kinds of audience mm. in the ad. Mm. So where you end up with that is is sort of vignettes of you know black white young old yeah. men women gay yeah. straight you know yeah. rich poor etc mm, etc yeah. we we're all as a nation together you know and all those ads all look the mm. fucking same don't they that's, <laughs> that's where that kind of reflecting and connecting model works really well doesn't it because you can reflect widely as you say in a vignette yeah. something for everyone but actually you don't connect with anyone at that's all it. emotionally because mm. you can't tell a story mm. but no. equally you can connect very widely with everyone witness an oven glove mm. without actually reflecting anyone or, no, or yeah, a meerkat yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, so I, mean, yeah. I think we forget that in our kind of diversity well, and reflecting. and animation yeah. allow you to I mean, those to meerkats talk to everyone. They're not yeah. showing anyone in there. That, yeah. um, so um, that another benefits of character ads, I suppose, that you, you kind of bypass all that stuff. And so. Yeah, so you can do that with characters. But also if you have some kind of universality of a story or an emotion yeah. or a feeling or whatever, yes. you know. Yeah. So I think there's a quote in the book. Was it you that said, or, or you were quoting, you know, you don't have to be black to appreciate mm. Shakespeare's Othello. Yeah. You just have to understand jealousy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be old to appreciate the Amazon ad. You mm. simply have to, you know, have, understand friendship and, mm. you know, and about longstanding friendships. Yeah. And there was one really interesting insight because we, 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 we've been working on this feeling scene uh, kind of series of studies for three years now, actually, mm. um, looking at how different people feel represented in ads. And there's a, there's, a, there's a lovely summary from it, which is when you see yourself in advertising, you feel more happiness, you feel stronger emotion, you're more likely to engage with the brand. Right? Mm. So there's a, a lovely headline story. Mm. And we, we called it How Diverse Advertising Unites a Nation mm. as well. Yeah. And, and how actually everyone else also feels good seeing yeah. other people represented. So lovely story. Great. One group of people for whom that's not true, mm. older people. Mm. Mm. So we suddenly did the study on older people going, oh, let's just, let's see this happen again. Mm. And then I got this funny call from the team going, John, we've got a problem. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> it disproves your law yeah. of feeling And, 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 and I think law. that's how you yeah. represent older people, mm. isn't it? You've got it, Les. You've got, you got, got it. the emotions so what, right, haven't you? We yeah. had to call it Wise Up, yeah. which is actually the way to make uh, older people feel good about themselves in advertising mm. is give them a lead role. Mm. Make sure it's funny. Mm. You, you show them as being smart. Smarter, you mm. know, uh, tap into the years of cultural references that they've mm. got, you know, yes. make them useful to society. It's not like, mm. oh, we see them sailing into the sunset. Or yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not it. They, yeah. Don't, yeah. That, they don't want that. Yeah. So it's very interesting nuances, actually. Yeah. But this is where Amazon got it right because yeah. they were yeah. leading, they yeah. were funny, yeah. it was yeah. a twist, yeah. you know, they, they, they had connection between them, yeah. all those things. Yeah, emotional connection. We talked, didn't we, went about that, um, one of my other favourite ads, that Southern Comfort ad of Live Comfortably. I mean, not not a classic representation of who you would want your drinker probably to be, uh, someone with a pretty big beer gut kind of swaggering up a beach. But, you know, we all identify with that feeling of being totally happy in your own skin. Mm. Um, and a brilliant example of 
casting. And it's just all about interesting casting, really, isn't it? This isn't tick box stuff, but just characters that leap out at you and you want to be with and you can identify with and, yeah, mm. tell stories brilliantly. Mm. That's um, that's what it's all about. And you mentioned characters uh, mm. a little bit earlier, didn't you? And I, it actually brings us to our number one campaign right. nicely, <laughs> uh, which is Audi's Kevin the Carrot. Yes, so on top of the poll again, mm. uh, the only advertiser, apart from Coke, because they've been going 25 years, the only advertiser to get five years, five star in a row and continually get better and better each year, which yeah. is, is, is spectacular. Yeah. But in a way, they've deployed that character fluent device, as Orlando tends to call mm. it, doesn't it? Mm. Which it has universal appeal again. Yeah. So it's mm. a n- yeah. lovely example of that. Yep. And he tells emotional stories. We're, we're not all carrots, but we can uh, we we can identify <laughs> with that. And interesting, as you say, it started off as a was three three score three, three points. Like so. That was going to be my question. Mm. Yeah. Um, so as it's sort of worn, worn in over time, it's has two grown. things. Two things have happened. So there's definitely wear in, mm. but there's also what they've done is they've kept the campaign. They've kept the construct the mm. same. Yeah. But what what they do brilliantly every single year is they play to sort of um, you know the, the a slightly different story yeah. so mm. Willy Wonka this year yeah, mm. yeah. you know last year it was Christmas Carol yeah. and so on and then um, they also <coughs> tell relevant jokes yes. in there yeah. so yeah. you know there's a few kind of you know pantomime like yeah. 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 kind of yeah. this year's joke is yeah. Yeah. but mate what they do actually um, every one of those jokes is tested Right, to make sure that it lands, it gets the right response, <laughs> it gets, you know. So right. With you? Is, yes. Is it, oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So every second. So how do you, how do you test? So we start um, quite early in the year, actually, with a with a long animatic. So it right. might be usually about four minutes. Mm. So imagine the story, wow. a black and white animatic, really stretched out. Yeah. So voiceover, the jokes, the, you know, kind of all done in a, an animatic style. And then what we work out is we see, does happiness and surprise change when that scene yeah. happens or the joke lands mm. or the voiceovers. Uh, yeah. And literally we do that and we edit down to 60 to 90 based mm. on the, the longer mm. version. Okay. So, so it's thoroughly forensic, tested. Isn't very it? forensic. That's, yeah. that's interesting because um, I know I've heard people say in the past that humour is one of the things that's hardest to test with animatics. But I would, I think when you're dealing with an ad which is effectively cartoon style, you're closer to the finished film. <laughs> It would be much harder to to, to test, say, yeah. Rowan Atkinson. Yeah, yeah. And we never, you yeah, comic, yeah an actor's comic timing, right? yeah. delivery, and all that's that very stuff. hard. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. because it's animatic, yeah. it's a, you know, it's it's almost like a cartoon, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So and it's yeah. quite much easier. Voiceover heavy as well, isn't it? It's not like you're relying on a lot of expressions and kind of it, um, and expression humour. There is. It, Even the, comedian, there's physical yeah. kind of knockabout humor. And the Jim Broadbent voiceovers <clears throat> become a yes. fluent kind yes. of, you know, voiceover. Yeah. And that's even, a craft it? thing as well, isn't that's it? One craft, of those things yeah. that you don't really. I so, think it's probably an ad that's it's very easy to overlook how they make it look very easy, don't they? But there's a huge amount of thinking that goes massive. into Massive. And very layered, yeah. as you say, like a great panto where the adults laugh at some stuff and the kids don't really get it or whatever. You can watch it two or three times and get little different yeah, things. Out. It's one of those yeah, ones that you do I, get, I discover, could, oh, I didn't spot that joke about Willy Conker and all that yeah. stuff. So I, uh, you know, this is probably a terrible thing to admit. I, I don't see many ads because I, you know... I, Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Lesbian doesn't watch ads. I, well, I don't really watch television um uh i'm, I'm double I'm, breaking <laughs> this uh, it recommends television but... yeah um um uh so that i'm i'm quite insulated from um from a lot of that of actual ads unless i see them during the working day i haven't i think this is the first time i've seen a caravan and the carrot ad is it i think wow, um, and so 
I think it had less effect on me. I thought it was nice. I thought yeah. it was yeah, yeah. charming, etc. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm at the three star level. Yeah. So I've seen it once, um, and that's the, that's the first time I've seen any of the campaign. Mm. So I think I'm at the three star yeah. level. And I, you know, you talk about jokes, and I was thinking, are there any jokes in there? And I think, oh, there's a there's a yeah, there's a you, couple of did things. Did you get the Big Willie joke? You didn't smell no, that one. Ah, no, well, there no. you go. You have to watch it again. Yeah, so you, Look so, out for the Big Willie joke. There's a bit about, I can see his bum or some, his bum crack or something <laughs> like with the plum or plum, plum crack. crack. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I think it, it, I think that's an example of how wherein works. Mm. You, you, know, you, you begin to know and like the character and you're expecting certain things and you seek repeated exposure, you get the jokes. But I'm not at that level yet. Well, well let, let's bring Excel in uh, or the IPA. Um, <laughs> IPA effectiveness gold was uh, last year uh, Kevin uh, the Kevin campaign and what's lovely about Audi is that ev- you know that th- they call it in the case study discounting the other variables so it's a wonderful it's a wonderful example where they've been a- able to isolate the impact of advertising because we're all trying to do that but there's there's so much else going on at the same time but over the period in question Audi weren't opening stores their discounting policy was the same so they're able to go well actually all the other variables are roughly the same and they could look at the market share gains of Audi each Christmas and I mean you'll know this but Christmas is the one time where people are most open to changing the store they visit and mm. usually Audi loses share yeah, on Christmas because they, they want to go up to, to M&S right M&S, I mean, yeah. short, shorthand yeah. Yeah. Um, and that that trade down has got smaller and smaller and smaller every year and then the trade into in New Year where you go I've got to tighten the belt has mm. gone up and up and up mm. so it's, it, it, yeah. it's just a wonderful really it, I think it's the best case study I've ever seen of advertising's effect on business results mm. and I mean, I'd be misquoting them, but it's like a very big percentage of the number of people that visit Audi stores. Mm-hmm. They, it, it, most of it happens in the 12 weeks after Christmas. They can attribute back to the campaign, which yeah. is amazing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's wonderful to see. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. The yeah. ROIs and stuff are just fantastic yeah. on it. Yeah. And I can see how it works. I mean, you look at that ad and, you know, admittedly, I've, I've seen one ad in the whole campaign ever, and immediately it makes Aldi feel Christmassy, yeah. which, you know, it wouldn't naturally yeah. do. So, Well, actually, you guys are to blame, actually. I don't know if you know this. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but the original brief was uh, Beat John Lewis. Yeah. Because the, the whole idea around Audi, everyone knows it's cheap. Everyone mm. like, yeah, yeah. We know that, right? Yeah, yeah. What we have to do is become John Lewis yeah. at Christmas for people. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that was, uh, see, in yeah. a way, you can take some credit for it. Yeah. And they were one of the first campaigns, I think, weren't they, at Christmas? Where they, I remember the first year that Kevin came back, it was like, ooh, you know, Kevin's back again. That's a bit mm. of a surprise. You don't normally see that. Yeah. Um, so they were. They were kind of doing the consistency they job were. and campaign before other people have, the, have started. The other thing I love about it is, from Marcus's point of view as well, is how it works everywhere. You know, you can buy the toy in store. Mm. It, Kevin pops up and has conversations on social media. Mm. It's on the side of the bus, mm. you know, yeah. on the bus, the mm. truck when it delivers the store. Yeah. You know, it, it, they've really integrated it yeah. and very cleverly throughout, yeah. which is yeah. brilliant. So doing the long and the short, you know, it, it, it's kind of working in both senses. Yeah, yeah. good for them. The other thing, looking through the year, actually, so the, the looking at non-Christmas ads as well for a moment, because we're also having a bit mm. of a Christmas theme. Mm. There's also some consistency in fluent devices. So um, a little um, tip to my former employer, actually. So one of the top scoring ads this year was Ribena. Mm. Mm. Now, I've I got a bit of, in, bit of inside intel on this because having having worked there, but it, the Ribena uh, brought back the Ribena berries. And I don't mm. know if you've seen those, but um, at System One, we tested it. The Ribena berries are one of the most recognizable kind of distinctive assets mm. you know, out there. 
and they got a 5.6 star. Mm. And it, again, it shows what another top tip, I think, for advertisers is to look back at what your brand owns as, yeah. as distinctive oh, yeah, assets. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're too quick, aren't we, to sort of yep. crumb up with something new mm. and mm. we don't use something Oh, else, absolutely, you know? absolutely. How long, how long was it since they used them? Well, I the so the did you work on that? I, when you, well, I was there from 2016 to 2018. Yeah. I remember the, the, this the, this funny situation where we were, we were making a new ad, mm. and then I asked this casual question to the team. <laughs> I mean, I got in so much trouble for this, mm. and and I'm sure they're listening and will go, John. But um, I said, yeah, yeah, no, let's let's do this new idea as long as it beats last year. So yeah. while you're testing a new idea, do you mind just testing what happened last year? I got this funny text message going. Oh, good news, bad news. Mm-hmm. Um, good news. Last year was a five point six star yeah. the best ad that's ever been run in soft drinks in the history of ever sort of thing you know bad news is it's gonna be kind of hard to justify <laughs> making a new one this yeah, year yeah. So, yeah, it's like, you know, <clears throat> that kind of thing but it was a lesson for me actually because i didn't know yeah even though i was the marketing director i didn't realize how good that asset was for the brand i just yeah. didn't have the history yeah. And, yeah. and understanding yeah. Yeah. and so many you know yeah. marketing directors come and go yeah it's um, a, i mean it's one of the great like the new john lewis um positioning i guess has got this tension inherent in it hasn't it about letting your traditions grow i mean that is what you have to do as a manager of brand <laughs> comms isn't it you have to decide what to what to keep what what you move on subtly and what gives howls of protest if you chuck it away really so it's about managing that isn't it not chucking out your black currants because that's your strongest asset but but keeping it fresh every year so mm. i think that's everyone's getting better at that now i think aren't they rather than just defaulting to rip it up and let's, uh, let's well, this, do something new. This is new. what our friend Ritson did say mm. to me the other day. He was like, is this the year we finally understood consistency? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does feel like that, doesn't it? Does, it? Yeah. it does, yeah. Oh, the penny I mean, has dropped. I mean, we wrote about that. Yeah, we um, were you aware ahead of it? We um, were really struggling to think of any campaigns, weren't we? We had mm. um, Gary Lineker was still going for walkers at the time. We had mm-hmm. Felix, Felix Cat Food, which is our little cartoon black and white cat, which we worked on as an agency for, for 20 22 years. years. But we were really sort of <laughs> scrabbling around trying to find anything else. There, just, there wasn't anything. Okay. So talking about consistency, you've got a good Felix IPA case study on the matter, haven't you? Yeah. Well, so we wrote this one in um, about 2002 or something like that. Consistency killed the cat. Or, oh, no, very no, it wasn't that. But <laughs> anyway. Continuity. So continuity. Continuity saved, yeah. saved the saved cat. Oh, I can't something, remember. Something yeah. like that, yeah. But... Um, and 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 it shows the kind of the, the 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 long roots of the problem. I think the 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 business in general, and then the marketing community and the advertising community off the back of that, became obsessed with innovation and disruption. Um, you know, it's all part of that mantra that you know comes out of Silicon Valley and all that sort of thing. Innovate or die. Yeah, exactly. Um, and. Innovation is important and, you know, um, particularly in, when it comes to products and so forth. But we bought that so much that we forgot about the other side, consistency and continuity. And great, great campaigns are about continuity and freshness. You know, actually, Kevin the Carrot is quite a good example yeah. of that in that, you, you know, you've got continuity, but you've got something new each year. I gather. <laughs> um, and in that Felix case study, we contrasted what Felix was doing, which was running a consistent campaign with, for 22 years, you know, the, you know, the same little black and white cat, and often running the same ads. For, you know, the, mm. the, the, the very first one, is it the, the, 
the piano player one. I think they 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 dug that out year after year. Mm. They you know you know bring it out you know every so often. Versus Whiskers, which was at that point TBWA, I think, and they totally bought the mantra of disruption. And they were doing something new every time. And what we saw was that they were spending, outspending us four to one, and we were beating them. We, 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 we went over that period from being the fifth or sixth biggest brand to beating them to become the number one brand, you know, on a quarter of their spend. Love it. Just with a mm. little black and white cat frisking about to music. I love it. And that was a great but, example of that consistency breeds popularity yeah. rather than the other way around because people, no. just people got more and more familiar with it loved it more and more we started doing mm. tea towels didn't we and, and all the rest of it and so uh, i i found myself the other day talking to a bunch of marketers somewhere abroad uh and, and i won't tell you what category but um as i was talking to them it became really apparent that they totally bought into the idea that marketing was about innovation and purpose you know, you can imagine how I reacted to that. And I, and I said, actually, clever marketing is when, you know, if you're a really clever marketing marketer, you can sell the same old stuff with no innovation whatsoever. You know, you, you know the, the real challenge of marketing is to, is to sell more stuff when you've got nothing to say, when you've got no new product, when there's no, you know, killer fact in the app, but just to do, mm. you know, you know, to to do the the same thing really well, and and we talk about Marmite in the mm. in the book, where you know, Marmite was a brand that had no significant innovation for about a hundred years. You know, and, until yeah. Marmite Squeezy, you know, that was the one another significant, good example, and still grew. Yeah, mm. another yeah. good example of that is Guinness. So mm. I don't know if you know, this yep. year Guinness yes. became Britain's favourite pint. Yeah. Mm. Again, one product. Yeah. yeah. One product, yeah. one idea, consistently yeah. executed. You, you really know. distinctive assets. Mm. Distinctive assets. Banging soundtracks. Soundtracks, yeah. 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 Bit of animated uh, stuff going on. Um, yeah. And I suppose... Banjo beer advertising. Mm. Banjo, yeah, yes. You now, feel good. I mean, there are other ways of doing things. And, and, and actually, I suppose we've I suppose we provided a big counterexample with John Lewis um, in that, or on the surface, it appears that we have, you know, because people have asked me over the t over the years, you know, why don't you run the same John Lewis ad yeah, each Christmas? Yeah, let go back. Um, <laughs> but I think what we did there was there was a consistent strategy, you know, the thoughtful gifting strategy, the idea that you're telling a story about an example of finding the perfect gift for someone you really care mm. about. So that's, you know. A, the, the 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 idea underpinning was the same and the whole load of consistent stylistic things musically yeah you know the palette of how the ads look and so on but the other thing is that what we did was was to create if you like a a, a ritual you know and again a bit like the you know the holidays are coming that you know this thing of there there would be a big reveal the the big ad that would make everyone cry and 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 uh so there was a kind of continuity and consistency in that, even though yeah, superficially there wasn't. Quite a hard one to do because because to make it work, you've got to come up with an absolute banger every year. You yes, know? exactly. Um, That's the pressure. I mean, it, 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 not not 
well, unrelated to the ads, but the <laughs> thing that used to make me laugh about the John Lewis was the guy that had the John Lewis Twitter handle. Yes. <laughs> and, well, they, they, American. Yeah, it, isn't it, he, in uh, Canada or something, yeah. isn't it? Canada, but it, yeah. It's, well, isn't he, wasn't he an American politician or something? And, but doesn't or he, doesn't he get, maybe Canadian? He used to get all the, he used to get flooded with yeah. kind yeah, of like yeah. people talking about, you know, talking about him for, for yeah. like a week when, well, when the ads yeah. came out, you know, he, suddenly he, it became famous. He won't have that problem anymore, will he? There we go. Now, uh, actually, actually, just before we go on to the next next topic, um, interesting, two interesting stats for you. We tested the very first TV ad ever to air on TV back in the early 1950s, I think. 1965. Gibbs, it was SR, was it? It was, uh, it was a toothpaste. toothpaste. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you got Gib- it. Gibbs it has SR. to be 65 because that's when commercial TV. Yeah. Oh, no, hang on. Was that, I've got that wrong, haven't I? 65, commercial TV. Yeah, it was 50s or 60s. I can't quite, yeah, I yeah. can't remember the date, but it, it was for a toothpaste, plummy mm. British, a proper mm. BBC News kind of accent. Mm. Scored over three star. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? Mm-hmm. Now, I know there's probably nostalgia and it, it just, you know, it, it, there'll be a little bit of intrigue in it, but it does go to show that would put it in the top 15% on right, database. Mm. There's a lot. How much, what percentage of your database would have been? Around at that time, not many. I don't know, no, no, anyone, no, not many. Exactly, yeah. and it's black and white. I know and you tested you know. some of John Webster's ads, didn't you? Yeah. That yeah. um, the Martians were up there, yeah. pretty Still. well up, up the top, weren't they? Probably so. the best example: Hovis Boy on a Bike, mm. forty-six yeah. years. It's all, well, yeah. well, we tested it three or four years ago, so it's now fifty years old. Mm. That ad, um, but was five star. I think this sort of slightly leads us into a point that we were talking about before we started recording, which is to interpret results like that you've got to put them side by side with comparables. So, for example, Hovis Boy on a Bike, I'm sure part of the emotional response from that will be from people who remember it. You know, there'll be a nostalgia thing. And not all the people in your group will be people who remember it. But they, mm-hmm. and, and similarly, you know, you show a black and white ad from the 60s, it will have an emotional impact simply in the same way that seeing something really something old, for, yeah. you know, does. So in order to assess the emotional impact of ads, you've got to put them alongside things that are in some way similar. So Hovis Boy on the Bike versus Cadbury's Everyone's a Fruit and Nutcase, <laughs> for example. Um, and um, like categories. So well, the fact, this is yeah. a very, very good point. And I'm glad you raised it because I wanted to ask you about this. So um, I've pulled off the average star rating of the categories this year mm. and ranked them. Mm. There is a big mm. difference. Because mm. yeah. I know we were looking at the top ads this year. <clears throat> yep. Sarah, I know you and yep. I were having a chat about Lots this. Lots of and, sugar in there. Yeah. Well, there is. There is. So <laughs> if, I, if I read out the top three, in a number three, Magnum, mm-hmm. a new Magnum variant. Number mm. two, the advert for the British Bake Off. Yes. Mm. Number one, Cadbury Dairy Milk, glass yeah. and a half, yeah. right? Mm. And let me tell you the top three on average in at number three, baking. Mm-hmm. So boy yep. like. Yep. Uh, number two, ice cream. Mm-hmm. Number one, chocolate. So yeah. mirror, mm. the best ads Absolutely mirror the most yeah. emotive category. Yes. yes. I mean, you know, you, know, you see... Actually, I'm, so I've done a little bit of work on chocolate advertising, not for a long time, but earlier in my career... And one thing, so econometrically, one of the things I noticed is with chocolate, anything works, you yeah. know? Yeah. It's really easy yeah. to sell chocolate. <laughs> the same with you know? ice cream. I really yeah. want ice cream. Uh, yeah, okay. It's very impulse, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Just have to remind you. Literally, it's, it's called there. impulse yeah. category. Well, so. Yeah, mm. particularly, yeah, impulse chocolate mm. um, because, you you know, you go into a corner shop, there are, how many variants are there to choose from? You know, yes. a million. 
you know, you only have to say chocolate and people start literally start salivating. I'm probably yeah. will myself in a second, you know. So you could sell chocolate by just going, you know, aero. And that's it. You just say the word aero, immediately <laughs> sales go up, you know. So it's not hard to get a, a response. I thought, for example, Bake Off, there'll be, be, first of all, you know, people think like cakes. Yeah. Um, but, but secondly, people love Great British Bake Off. Mm. And yeah. so, again, you could probably it's run more a, a test of the program. Yeah, you could run a still that yeah. said... Bake Off's come. Bake Off, you know, next week. Exactly. You know, people go, oh, I love that. Great yeah, absolutely. Ad. So there's sort of like built-in feeling to the category that... There is. Yeah. A, and this uh, is really the, important. We're coming yeah. to sort of it, but just before we talk about why that's important, because there's a very important point that comes up all the time when I'm talking to, mm. to you know, to advertisers about this. Mm. Before I do, here's the harder question to both of you. What do you think the lowest performing category is? And I'll, I'll, I'll give you some leeway here. So mm. any of the bottom three, what do you reckon? How about um, ball bearings? <laughs> ball bearings, okay. <laughs> Probably not a lot of that in the database. I, 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 say, I say that because I've... Pile cream. Although what's, yeah, yeah, pile there's cream, probably not okay. a lot of that either. Um, mm. So ball bearing category would be what? Uh, so industrial uh, products. Industrial products. Like, yeah, yeah. What do you think, Sarah? I, 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 say yeah. that, I say that simply because I've been talking to a ball bearing manufacturer. There you <laughs> go. Breaking news again <laughs> on this podcast. Well, <laughs> <laughs> Get to see some effective ball bearing advertising um, next year. Mm, mm. Sarah, what do you reckon? Bottom performing category? Cars. Cars, you know, cars are an interesting one. They're statistically exactly average. Right. And okay. the interesting thing with cars is all advertisers are hugging the average line. So right. there's like zero difference yeah, between the best and the worst. Yeah, it's yeah. like the most stereotypically av- In fact, I think cars have been using AI for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Longer than like that. Because if you it? use AI for cars, you get the yeah, same thing yeah, again. Yeah. It's trying to think. Um, I, I, I do think there is a problem with finance. They're low. Actually, what, what I was thinking yeah. particularly was things like life assurance and pensions, um, because it's that's close. Uh, uh, because yeah. it's quite. A, it, it's a, again, I've done a bit of work in that area. It's both boring and frightening. Yeah, you know, thinking about you know, whether or not you're going to starve to death in retirement. No one wants to think about it. Do you know it. what? It's one, it's one of the only, so one of the, one of the only awkward moments I've had doing the job I do mm. is because usually when you measure, you, you test with the national population mm. and then you test with your target audience, the score goes up, right? Mm. Okay. It's, it's obvious, yeah, right? Yeah. That's yeah. why we do targeting, right? And uh, I was working with a major pension provider mm. and um, they got a, they got a one star. And I'm in that mm. awkward position. I was like, I'm in quite a lot of the time. Mm. But don't worry, we'll test it with the customer audience. I'm sure it's going to go up. <laughs> oh, how wrong I was! Yeah. It went down yeah, so because it actually reminded they, you of your they did not want to be reminded yeah. of you know. And so yeah. it's quite hard to do good work in that category, but yeah. it is possible. I mean, you know, the for the life you don't yet yep. know. One mm. that was Al- yeah. Allied Dunbar, wasn't it? Yeah, I think. Um, and you know, they managed to you know they had music. Humor, yeah. um, Paul hu- Whitehouse stuff, wasn't there? Was yeah, like Aviva, which is actually interesting. Good. So humor's quite good mm. at diffusing. Mm. There's a serious case for humor. Mm. Yeah, I think more generally in society, one of the things that humor can do is allow you to to go to touch areas that are sensitive. You know, push boundaries, say truths that you couldn't say explicitly in a po-faced way, yep. and so on. I think that's quite a good example of it. It's never a truer word than spoken in jest. Yes. Isn't it? it's, yeah, yeah, it's exactly, very much exactly, that. Exactly. So what well, was the you third got, one, You John got Phillips? close. You got right. very close. It's ball bearings, I, I, isn't I, it? I think, I think financial services are mid, mid, uh, mid to high one star. Mm. The bottom, well, I should go from the, so the third least popular category is gyms. 
The second most least popular category is slimming aids. Mm. And the least Mm. popular category is sport betting. Sports Mm. betting. It's interesting the juxtaposition with the eating and not staying healthy. (laughs) Yes, it is, isn't it? I hope the government's not listening to this, by the way, because we might end up with a bit of... Sports betting, presumably, is that there'd be a certain amount of antipathy to... It's probably regulation mm. because actually one interesting thing is actually we we, we work in the US with a mm. major um, manufacturer of uh, health products, mm. I'll say, medicines. And um, in their category, they actually by law have to state the negative uh, side effects okay. that yeah, come okay. with the category. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. If you think about sports betting and yeah, their yeah. category average is 1.2, right? yeah. it's, it's the lowest on our entire database globally. Now, of course, with sport betting, you have to have all the terms and conditions yeah. and you have to have the gamble aware yeah. and that sort of thing. So it's, I'm pretty pretty sure it'd be government regulation that's driven okay. that down, okay. which is a point of it, mm, is actually yeah. to yes. suppress the so, yeah. Interesting, again, going back to finance, financial advertising is, is heavily regulated as well. Um, and I remember working, again, on stuff to do with life insurance and pensions. I remember that the company I was working with years ago they had more people in the compliance department than in the marketing department by a factor of something like four or something like that. And the ads were so heavily regulated that effectively you couldn't say anything, which was tremendous because it meant that they ran ads with no messages in, which really worked. (laughs) There there was no option but to do emotional advertising. And it worked. (laughs) I love that. Actually, one of my... um isn't there? There was a Millward Brown study, wasn't there, where they found the more the mess, the more messages you have, mm. the less gets remembered. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the same thing. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. Like, yeah. As you say, and, the more you get, the more remembers. you crank the rational bit up, the less, the, the more the emotional bit goes down. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real yeah. yeah. truths. Yeah. So you know, people often sort of say, "Oh, well, what's the optimum number of messages in an ad?" And you go, "Yeah, yeah. If you one, one. Yeah, <laughs> no, the answer's nil, nil, nil. Exactly. Now, I'm glad we talked about this because one of the things I have to explain to people when 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 Orlando built the kind of system on methodology, inspired very much by your approach, IPA database again, looking at, and what he did is he looked at the relationship between ESOV and market share changes in mm. the following year. And then he worked out the emotional response and created, I, th- I think he called it the kind of creative amplifier mm. uh, sort of thing. But what's really interesting, and we have to explain this people because obviously we do the five-star system and everyone kind of celebrates that because it's simple and intuitive. But actually the prediction is is actually related to your performance within your category context. So what mm-hmm. he found is is that your your ability to outperform your category average creative mm. exactly as you do with ESOV mm. is like a creative weighted ESOV yeah. mm-hmm. kind of measure. So yeah. if you're in ice cream, you better be doing five star advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Equally, if you're in sport betting, slimming, or mm. gyms, a two star is going to yeah, it's going to be an absolute winner. So so um, category context. Is mm. actually so you getting when you get into the data, the the contextual thing yes. yeah. is yeah. critical. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is that in order to really outperform your category, you probably want to be doing something that's a little bit different, and that's one of the reasons why I think why there will never be any hard and fast rules about what is effective in creative terms because one of the rules is to break the rules yeah um so you know for years i've been thinking you know the john lewis thing we're not going to keep getting away with this forever because other people will copy us and you know know, there's more and more of that kind of advertising around um 
sooner or later, if there's if a formula works, other people will copy mm. it, and then it will will stop working. Yeah. Um, well, and we're kind of seeing that at Christmas, mm. aren't we? With the you know the system on testing. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you can kind of see it. I coming was thinking through. that when you were talking about. Well, actually, the lack of a distinctive asset per se for John Lewis, and when we talk about handwriting, mm, didn't we, in tone, yeah. and that is the stuff that's just so widely copied now, yeah, isn't it? That, yeah, uh, breathy singers. We've and... had it to ourselves <laughs> for so long. So. Where uh, are babies? I was just musing on your list. Are they, they must be up there fairly high. Yeah, are they, very, with, very high. So with the, the, sugar? The, 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 the couple of categories, actually, that are, will probably round out the top five or six, mm. uh, pet care. So right. pet yeah. ads. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. always joke about putting a dog in your ass. Yeah, yeah. power of fur. Yeah. Often when you look at it, you go, geez, there's a very average dog ad in the top yeah, 20 yeah. kind of on our database. Yeah. You know, yeah. So again, with that, you need to do something more interesting with the dog than just mm. picture yeah. the dog. So that's one. Um, and babies, yeah. of course. I mean, in fact, the Super Bowl winning ad, was it this year or last year, was Huggies. Mm. Um, the only Super Bowl ad to get a five star was, yeah. was I mean, it was brilliantly funny, <clears throat> brilliantly cute. You know, it, it was very, very well done. The only Super Bowl ad to get a five star. It's rare, actually. Yeah. 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 Nice. Every year there's uh, one or two. Well, here's an interesting, here's an interesting thing we mm. should all celebrate, by the way, as UK advertisers. Mm. Mm. Um, the average Super Bowl ad. Uh, is and that we we test about eighty and at Christmas there's about eighty UK ads. So yeah. if, if say Christmas is our Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Same sample <laughs> size. Average star rating uh, is two point seven for Super Bowl. Average star rating is four point three for uh, Christmas in the UK. Mm. So the standard mm, is demonstrably different. Mm. However, demonstrably to turn your own point against yes, you, go on. Uh, I mean Christmas advertising. If you think of it as a category, mm. category benefit is yeah. going to be you know yeah. Christmas is an emotional. Yeah. Time, Quite right. and then the, yeah. the products are going to be, you know, You're right. indulgent food and mm. stuff like that. I mean, we we used to say Christmas is half a star. I probably now it's a star. Mm. Yeah, roughly yeah, yeah. speaking. Yeah, mm, yeah. Very good point. No, cafe contest mm. is enormous. Now, I asked our friend Ritson to uh, pop some questions over for both of you, so we'll give these a go. Um, he's obviously in his date. He's obviously in his Excel spreadsheet actually as well because we got some quite good, uh, quite techy ones here. Anyway, his first, he he wrote a column recently on the power of synthetic data. Very interesting actually. So um, I don't know if you caught this story, but he um, he created this perceptual map of car brands mm. and uh, and then revealed that he'd done it on ChatGPT. Mm. And then he went and tested it tested it with a real human survey responses, and there was a ninety percent overlap between what the computer was able to generate scanning yeah. the mm. internet mm. versus yeah. what people actually felt about these car brands. Yeah. Now 90% feels like within the realms of statistical significance mm. and you know pretty mm. da- I mean most people would take 90% as a mm. if I can get 90% of it right and save time and money I will. Yeah. Um I guess the question for you two is like that being the case mm. what else can you do mm. with you know with AI to get yeah. get shortcuts mm. lots to say about that. I mean it was a great article. Um I, I was on holiday when it came out and I was um, quoting, we were waiting for a bus in uh, uh, Mallorca, <laughs> and uh, I was quoting bits of it to my family, and, the, and my wife was going, oh, "Shut up! You're on holiday. Yeah, Les. you're on holiday. Les doesn't take my, holidays. No. So, but, and it was classic Ritz, <laughs> classic yeah. Ritson because it was on the one hand, it, there was some, there was some, there was some very powerful and interesting ideas in it. Plus, also um, the best description of pro- programmatic advertising that I've ever read, which was describing it as a, a black box full of turds and spiders. <laughs> it was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I've, I've been messing around with ChatGPT, uh, you know, for a while myself, and uh, and it's powerful and interesting. And I think, I think as an industry, we we probably kind of got the wrong end of the stick in that I think the really powerful 
uses for it at the moment are actually in the research area rather than the creative area, you know. Um, creative that's generated by AI, I think once you've seen it a couple of times, you recognize it pretty much instantly. But it's a great way of speeding up research. I actually, so I'm slightly biased because I know the people behind the synthetic data stuff. Uh, they, are, they are great guys and, and they're... Um, they they will they're doing interesting things, but I think you, the other thing that you learn from messing around with AI is you have to be really cautious with it because it sometimes just completely fucks up and it will tell lies and it will make things up. I mean, somebody once said it's a bit like it's like having a really clever um, intern who's completely unscrupulous, you know, mm. who will go off, you you know, just go go and bring me data on that, and you. Don't know whether they've mm. made it up or not. Mm. So, so you do really need to double check everything. But the, but the speed with which it can come up with that, yeah. stuff mm. that, I mean, uh, you know, quick way of testing hypotheses, putting yeah. putting out failures for things. What areas do you think it'll touch? I mean, c can it help with my media mix, for example, or which which audience I should target? I, you know, th those kind of I, questions. I don't know. I mean, I think I think we should all be playing with it and yeah. finding out. But the point is that that. Um, I don't think you can use it well unless you already know quite a lot of stuff because you don't know whether or not to trust what it's telling mm. you. I think it can go badly wrong, as you say. I've had a bit of experience of it with, when it's already in pre-testing. We, 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 um, working with one client who used sort of AI pre-test to save time and money. And, yeah, you can, you can get really bum steers from it in one way. Yeah wasn't understood that there was a, a celebrity in this because it, it, that couldn't couldn't be kind of detected by the methodology and completely mm. changed the response to the whole ad if you didn't know that that was this certain person so mm. proceed with care yeah well, i can but, give you the data on that actually mm. so we, we, we we've been uh using ai to compete with ourselves mm. right yeah. can can ai out predict yes. the system one mm. approach yes the correlation between the system one prediction and uh market share change over 12 months is 0.66 mm. that's 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 been tested 264 times in different studies because we continually mm. update our validations mm. the correlation between AI trained on our data. Mm. So this is not th th mm. this is AI with the biggest advantage you can imagine yeah, because it's, yeah. it's mm. using our own data, <laughs> yeah. or whatever, 0.33. Mm. So it's not there yet. It's mm. not no. there yet. No. But interesting on creative, another thing I'll uh, chuck in as well. So we helped with a study looking at could, uh, so we gave some art students a project mm. to, with a fictitious brand to come up with some posters. And then we gave AI the same brief. Almost identical. Mm. So one one group, the students got 1.9 star, the AI got 1.83. Mm. There was one uh, one cell within this experiment where we had to ban the, ban the result, and they actually they actually came out top. Mm. The reason we had to ban it was they used both. Yeah. So they tested with AI. They then used yeah. their judgment to improve yeah. it, and yeah. they retested yeah. it. Yeah. And, and that is the yeah. smart and way forward. Smart, yeah. yeah. And yeah. they um, got... 2.8. Yeah. So yeah. I think that was actually the story. It's and, another bothism, isn't it? And this, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. 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 And, and this is exactly what I find with messing around with ChatGPT is that um, I think if you just used it and say, well, that's the answer, you get a lot. You, you, it can do some things quite well, but you get a lot of stuff that was not right or just very bland or very generic. But, it, but if it becomes a dialogue between a smart person like myself, uh, and 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 this tool, then you can 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 do something a lot better. Um, and it, and and I mean the 
the really clever thing about it is the speed, because that means that you can explore research avenues that you would just wouldn't have the mm. time to yeah. mm. to explore. Um, a little example, trivial example. I'm, I'm reading um, Trollops, the way we live now at the moment, and it, uh, one, at one point in the book, one of the characters says something which about America being bigger than Britain, uh, and I thought, oh, okay. So, at what point did the U.S. population pass the population of the U.K. Was it around about this time, 1870s? That's quite a hard thing to answer with Google, and you, even with Google, mm. um, you wouldn't bother. But I asked ChatGPT, and it came up with an answer. And immediately, I thought there's something wrong about this answer. The, the figures didn't stack up. So we had a conversation over the course of about a minute or two, and then eventually got ChatGPT to admit that it, had, you know, made a mistake. I misspoke about. And, and then eventually got to an answer that was satisfactory. But um, all of that stuff kind of like, I would not have bothered to do that if I didn't have a thing on my phone that allowed me to do that. Is that in the bus queue as well? Uh, no, that was lying in bed reading my book. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I am a nerd. But you have to watch it. You do. Um, well, 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 I've actually done an experiment to prove this, uh, okay. a rather funny one. So um, I had this, I had this uh, very negative review about the podcast earlier yeah. in the year, right? So this, this guy did, this guy filmed a seven minute video doing a takedown of the episode I did with Bob Hoffman yeah. and basically going, oh, he's not uncensored. He's, in fact, he called me tyrannically English bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> no, tyrannically polite English bullshit. Anyway, that, that was how he kind of summarised the review. Mm-hmm. And it was properly, mm-hmm. you know, properly, I, I, in a way, I, I, it was quite funny, actually. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, when you get this situation, you think, well, what do I do? Do I get offended? Do I just treat it as banter? And I decided to treat it as banter and just enter into the spirit of this guy and he'd copy me into everything and all that kind of thing. Anyway, I, I messaged him on LinkedIn and said, look, with respect, there are plenty of podcasts out there to pick on. And this is the first time he'd done a review. Like, like why mine? And he said, well, I asked ChatGPT for the world's number one marketing podcast. <laughs> and you came up, right? And I said, that's interesting because I'm not technically the world's number one marketing podcast. But as a joke, when I launched yeah, the podcast. you said it, didn't you? I you said, said yeah. the world's number one. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. 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 You see. So, yeah. you know, ChatGPT is mm. learning. The yeah. only problem is when I tried to recreate the result, it obviously learnt itself yeah. in the time between yeah. then and now. Mm. And I couldn't recreate the result and got a load yeah, of other things. Really so um, I don't even know if you know this, but at DDB, we're, we're, we're working on a, a, an AI, a, a lesbot. Lesbos, uh, which Whoa. is uh, so it's it's uh, it, which is trained on, you know, all the stuff. That, yeah, you mm. know, P- Peter and I and what you're and, so and 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 um, Hamlet's plans in there as well. Mm. But I does think. this mean we're going to go to conferences um, and Lesbot will be taking um, a slot? Mm. Is and um, <laughs> so I was messing about with it, and I and I so I said, okay, I'm just asking it some questions. One of the questions I asked was, do ads wear out? And it gave me a long considered answer about the evidence that ads wear out. They do. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. And I said, you know, didn't we write in our book, how not to plan that ads don't generally wear out? And it sort of went, oh, sorry, I misspoke, you know. Oh, <laughs> you know? Oh. Um, yes, ads don't generally wear out. Yeah, yeah. You're um, having to train your own bots. Well, it, like, it, so, thing. I mean, this is an example. So it is already trained on, mm. on, on stuff we've written. But all the same, it, it, it you know, it needed some you know to be kept on the leash as it were Uh, i see um (laughs) my view is that ai will do will help low-skilled people to become much more skilled and 
high-skilled people to become much more skilled. The people in the middle, I think, will be the ones who are mm. in, in some danger. All right. So Mr. Ritson had another question for you, Les. Uh, ESOV, right? Given that, you know, some data out there is walled and it's difficult to get to, how reliable is ESOV now? Or how easy is it to get to a proper ESOV calculation? Well, it's a valid concern. Uh, and certainly Peter and I have been expecting that share of voice would stop working. It would stop predicting market share for years we thought this you know as as the proportion of ad spend that is audited goes down you'd think that this stuff would no longer work but it still does work so i'm literally um you were asking me earlier on what you're going to do when, when you know after this i've got two things to do this afternoon and the third one is we're finishing off a share of voice model uh and it still predicts market share uh, right now why does it do that i think the answer is two things. The cynical answer would be that some of the unaudited, unaudited media that people spend a lot of money on don't have much influence on long-term market share because they're short-term tactical stuff. The other one is that the unaudited share of voice tends to be proportional to the audited share of voice. So you're only measuring the tip of the iceberg. Um, but, you know, if you've got 20% of the audited ad spend, the chances are you'll probably have about 20% of the unaudited ad spend because people have similar ratios of... If the ratio is the same, then it would hold, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. So I think somewhere between... You know, that, that's, that's a kind of like one's an indi indicator of the other to the, the other stuff doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it makes sense. That. Yeah, that, that follows. Um, his third question for you was, if I ran three MMM models... Would I get three different answers? That's a very interesting question. It would be an interesting experiment to do. There was a, a, a famous experiment done in the late 80s, early 90s, the a ARF copy validation project. You know that one? Um, so they did that with pretesting. So they got um, 23 different pretesting companies to all test the same ads to see. Wow. Yeah, where they uh, yeah, you're getting nervous now. Aren't yeah, you? I was going to say, and, and the and the, the result. We we didn't take part in this. No, one. Well, no, no, before you they, they, they left out the, uh, the correct answer. Well, that's, was. It's, it's relevant to you because <laughs> yeah. um, what they did was they com compared. Uh, they didn't just compare whether or not they came out with different answers, but they um, uh, compared the results against you know econometric me yeah. measurements of effectiveness, and the overall conclusion was that. Pre-testing as a whole was no better than tossing a coin at predicting effectiveness. But if you looked within that, some methodologies were better than others. And all the ones that had any predictive power were based on liking of the ads. Um, anyway, that wasn't the question. But, um, but I reckon um, if you've got different econometricians to all tackle the same problem, they might come up with different answers for two reasons. One is they might choose different data sets. You know, one econometrician might think to include rainfall in the, the variables you test and one might not. And the second thing is, you know, the actual methodology of how you build a model has more craft in it than one might, than a non-expert might understand. Um, one would hope to get around this, what, companies should be doing a lot more of is actually forecasting 
you know, and, and using forecasts to test models that way. Uh, you know, if, if a model's good, it should have predictive power. Well, that, 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 I mean, that, that going, going back to the ESAV thing, that's actually well, probably the reason I joined System 1 is that uh, they were able to evidence in every single case that applying a creative weight on top of ESOV was more predictive in every case that we've ever looked at. So it, it has all the, always, it tells you what you knew to begin with, that the creative matters, yeah. but still good to have the evidence. But yeah. the important thing from our point of view is that the prediction did correlate did improve the correlation to uh, in market performance and and the other point is and i've sort of made the same point myself several times is 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 that creative is really really important but also media is really really important and the you know basically weight of spend and share of voice is really really important and you know you know, there's no point in having a great ad that no one sees. You know, your quote about cathedrals in the building, cathedrals in the desert. Yeah, and brand size is very, very important. Brand size yes. is yeah. important yeah. as well. So you, you've got to, you know, it. And really great advertising, you know, is 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 popular advertising. It's ads that most of the time it's ads that have, you know, that people like makes them feel something makes them you know, emotions, feelings, associations, all that stuff at scale. Um, and that's what we get wrong a lot of the time is we, we think it's all about just winning a little creative award for something that nobody sees. Well, listen, it, it brings me up quite nicely, actually. I wanted to round off, right, with with, with uh, the best performing Admin Eve ad on our database because it joins it joins our conversation up in a really beautiful way. Today, as we're recording this, is the first day of COP. Uh, we talked about purpose and we talked about advertising. And um, the most successful Admin Eve ad of this year on our database is Great Western Railways. Yay! Which I don't know if you knew that because it's a lovely example and, and also reason to mention it as well. We've just included it in our green print report, which we launched at System One, about how advertisers can help deliver sustainable messages in the right way. And what I love about this ad is brilliantly is it's funny. It's a, it's an Enid Blyton story, Famous Five. You know, it, it does all the things that great advertising does. It's a does. campaign. It's a mm, campaign. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. It's basically a fantastic ad that delivers a message about taking the train rather than taking a car and we talked about how to do purpose we're doing purpose with humor and storytelling and making a great ad is what we should be doing right we might be seeing a lot more of getting people to do the right thing for the wrong reasons almost which is sort of where purpose i think went wrong a lot as well sort of preaching at people but this Mm. is a really good example of that isn't it it kind of slides under the door that Mm. kind of environmental message and people just see a lovely story and something that reminds them of their own holidays and it's all very nostalgic. So um, very mm, great. There's, it's great there's, to hear. I didn't know that. There's no carbon messaging. No. Mm. There's no, there's no kind of it, well, no head with real messaging no, at exactly. all, mm. apart from a big advert for, yeah. you know, and we can relate to the insight of like getting stuck in traffic yeah. and mm. being late and yeah. diversions and mm. then people on the train have a beautiful time and get mm. there early. And to the extent that it, it does the sustainability carbon stuff it doesn't do it explicitly but there's you know quite a lot of clouds of choking smoke yeah, in yeah. There, isn't there mm. it's implicit isn't mm. it? it's yeah. implicit mm. yeah very nicely done mm. doesn't preach as you say yeah, yeah. no so brilliant so it's, it's lovely to show that we can make a difference and yes. do some purpose mm. in a funny way exactly, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and again you know it's it's it, the the purpose is baked into the product mm. isn't it you know inherently yeah you yeah. know 
back, back to your point before, yeah, yeah. 100%. Yeah. So as you look ahead to this year, because we're now in 2014, 2024, I should say, 2024, as this goes out. <laughs> oh, I'm out. still in 2014, don't worry. <laughs> exactly, yeah, I know. <laughs> but we should go, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, what do you think we're going to be talking about this time next year? I mean, there's a big case for AI. We yeah. talked about yeah. how that could yeah. change how we do research. There's a, there's a case for, is this the year that sustainability finally actually we do something about it. I don't know it feels like we've been talking about it for a while yeah I, I think that's right and probably more focus on doing that through products um packaging pricing even more than promotion which is where it's been sort of focused mm. arguably too much and in the wrong way up to now so I think I think a lot more marketing on those sorts of basics rather than uh some of the things that have been diverting people's attentions over the last year so um a lot of climbing back down the benefit ladder into products well, maybe. and pricing well, and well, new maybe. products and that kind of stuff. It's mm. a good point because I mean, if this year or last year was the year of consistency, mm. maybe this is the year we get the basics right. Mm. And get, you know, because there's been a lot of distraction in the last few years with global events. Yeah, yeah. It'd be nice to think we get some, uh, maybe get on and deliver the return for the market. It'll be the year where we don't talk about what's new at the end of the year. It'll be much more about just getting, <laughs> getting the basics right. And, I don't uh, know about what we'll be talking about, but the advertising industry, I'm sure, will be going up its own ass with about something irrelevant. That's one thing that's that what they change. always do. <laughs> <laughs> one consistent thing about the marketing we, industry, you know, as, as an industry, we love something shiny and new. Mm. I mean, I mean, we were all talking about blockchain, weren't we? Yep. You know, NFTs and NFTs. Yeah. Yep. How much of that is, you know, apart from, um, you know, actually, have you seen the McDonald's? crypto bros no ad uh it's a poster it says something like you know crypto bros we're hiring because <laughs> <laughs> they're all going out of business that's or going to jail mm. that's very good um, i haven't seen that but yeah i mean we 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 forget this i think is how often that as an industry we become obsessed with things which turn out to be you know absolutely ephemeral uh like do you remember you probably when the the point back in the uh, late nineties when we, we thought that WAP was going to be the the yeah. big technology that was yeah. going to change everything, you know, does anyone remember what WAP is anymore? No, I mean, it no, does. No. It does still exist, but well, um, it brings I think full circle back to Sarah your point at the beginning, which is you are not the customer. So if there's one thing we do this year, it's getting in touch with what our customers actually want to do rather than what we want to yeah. wang on about all year. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. less wanging, less wanging. <laughs> <more>. <laughs> And with that, thank you, Les and On Pete. that bombshell. <laughs> oh, hang on, he's Les and Peter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Sarah, Les, thank you very much. It's been a blast. <laughs> thank you, Orlando. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for listening and watching The Uncensored CMO. Hope you loved my conversation with Les Burnett and Sarah Carter. I certainly had loads of fun doing it. If you'd like to never miss an episode again, please do hit the subscribe button wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're watching this on YouTube, hit subscribe there too. If you want to get in contact with me, uh, I am over at X or, or formerly known as Twitter at Uncensored CMO. And you can find me on LinkedIn under my own name, John Evans. Thanks for listening and watching. I'll see you next time. <laughs>